morning and thanks so much for tuning in online today and uh, I'm looking forward to continuing our study uh, that we have entitled The Land Between and for the last several weeks we've been talking about how we can navigate a season of uncertainty and undoubtedly we are in a season of uncertainty right now in 2020 but we're looking to God's word uh, to find uh, encouragement to find help for this season that we are in And I want to encourage you to be in prayer for our church. Right now, uh, we are having a drive-in service at the Jesse Turner Community Center. And we had a drive-in service last week uh, at the Jesse Turner Community Center. And we had uh, one person pray to accept Christ. And so we are praising the Lord for that. We're so thankful for that. And that's what it's all about. And we're praying that God would bring a great harvest uh, from this season. And we believe that God has something special in store for our church family. And we uh, believe that he's going to open up some unique doors of opportunity that maybe would otherwise have not been open. And so uh, we're just praying that God's going to do something great in this season. And I'm so glad that you are able to tune in online today and as we dive into God's Word. And if you have a Bible, wherever you may be watching from or uh, wherever you may be listening from, I want to encourage you to uh, go to Exodus chapter number 17. Exodus chapter 17 is where we're going to be today. And in week number one of our series, The Land Between, uh, we talked about uh, the life of Joseph and how Joseph was uh, promised that that power, position, and prominence, but uh, he was put into a pit, into prison, and uh, he was navigating that land between. And then last week we talked about the life of David because David was anointed to be king and he was going to be the great king of Israel, but he was still a shepherd navigating the land between. And we talked about last week how we can uh, learn some principles from his life that we can apply to our lives as well. And today we're going to learn from the life of Moses. And if anyone navigated the space between, it was definitely Moses. He was wandering in the wilderness, uh, searching for that promised land for 40 years. And uh, we're going to look to Exodus chapter 17, and we're going to talk about the subject of doubt uh, this morning. And uh, go ahead and drop that word in the comments, doubt. And the title of my message this morning is Without a Doubt, Without a Doubt. And I want to talk for a few minutes about how we can live without doubt. And when doubt starts to creep into our lives, especially in the land between, how we can get victory uh, over that doubt that we may have experienced. And so Exodus chapter 17 is where we're going to be. And I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and uh, keep it ready as we uh, study these verses today. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 17, verse number one. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. And after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, And there was no water for the people to drink. Everybody drop in the comments today, no water. There was was no water for them to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, "Uh, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be all, almost ready to stone me. They, they wanted to kill Moses because they were that thirsty. It says in verse number five, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. And behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink, 
And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord here or not? Let's have a word of prayer together today. God, thank you so much for this time that we can have uh, focusing on your word and that we can study your word today. And God, I pray that you would fill me with uh, your spirit to give me the right words to say that would be beneficial for us in our time together. And God, I pray that as we navigate this space between, this land between, the promise and the payoff and a season of uncertainty, God, I pray that we would function and operate by faith and not by fear. And God, I pray that you would uh, just lead us and guide us uh, where you would have us go and that we would be submissive to that plan. And God, I pray that you would do a great work in our church and uh, through our church family. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in 2013, I led a group of teenagers on a mission trip to Costa Rica, and uh, we were having a great time. And I remember uh, it was coming towards the end of that trip, and uh, we were at a restaurant one night. We were having a good time together, eating some good food, when all of a sudden I had this sharp pain in my side, and I was in some serious pain. And uh, I was trying to figure out what's going on, and I was not feeling well. And so I kind of gathered our teenagers together, and I said, hey, we need to walk back to the hotel. And as we were walking back to the hotel, the pain just intensified, and it seemed like it was just getting worse and worse. And uh, we got to the hotel, and I sent all the teenagers to their rooms, and, and uh, I went to the restaurant there that was in the hotel because I really needed to get some water. And so I went to that restaurant. And I was kind of uh, hunched over, I was holding my side, and uh, I went inside that restaurant to get some water, and they said that I couldn't order any water if I wasn't going to eat, and so I had to go to the restaurant bar to purchase a bottle of water. And I went over to the restaurant bar to purchase a bottle of water, and I remember I asked for water, but I was feeling so sick, and my side was hurting so bad that I was literally just leaning over there at the restaurant bar, and I was thinking, I hope none of my teenagers uh, see me. It's going to look like a youth pastor is drunk at a bar in Costa Rica. I'm just leaning over at the bar, and I was feeling so sick, and I finally got that water. I went back to my room, and I started to vomit. I started to uh, just feel incredibly sick. Uh, doctors had to come to the hotel room. They had to rush me to the hospital. I went to the hospital, and uh, they were giving me uh, shots of morphine and different things, and it turned out that I had kidney stones. And uh, I had never experienced kidney stones before, but it was something that was extremely uncomfortable and extremely uh, painful. And the doctor came in and he said, I think the reason you got these kidney stones was because you were dehydrated and you haven't been drinking enough water. And so I learned on that trip uh, about the side effects of dehydration and how dangerous dehydration can be. And I thought about that in light of the text that we're studying this morning, and I thought so many Christians today are suffering from spiritual dehydration, where they are longing for a renewal and longing for refreshment and longing for a fresh encounter with Jesus, but their lives are currently dry and barren and empty. And I love what the Bible says in Psalm 42, as the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God, my soul thirsteth for God. My soul uh, thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear uh, before God? And so the psalmist said, my soul deep within me was thirsting. I was dehydrated and I, I was longing to have a fresh encounter with God. And so many people in 2020, so many people in this season, they're thirsting, they're longing for a new encounter with God and a fresh encounter with God when they find themselves in a dry and barren 
place. And we come to Exodus chapter 17 and we see that the people are experiencing very real dehydration, uh, physical dehydration. They are thirsty. They are without water. And what takes place is this. Because of their physical dehydration, that dehydration led them to doubt. And now they were in a season where they were suffering with not only dehydration, but now they were doubting uh, the goodness of God and they were doubting the faithfulness of God. And by the way, the land between is the perfect breeding ground for doubt. Because when you start to navigate the land between and when you're starting to navigate a season of uncertainty, when you're uncertain of your future, it's common for you to begin to question the goodness of God or to question God's plan for your life. And so often when we are in the land between, we are navigating a season of doubt and we're struggling with doubt and uncertainty. And the Bible says in James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith, everybody drop that word in the comments, faith, because that's how we ought to be functioning in this season, uh, in the land between by faith. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And, and so when you're not walking by faith, uh, you're gonna be walking in instability. By the way, spiritually speaking, insecurity and instability always go hand in hand. Insecurity and instability are inseparable. When you are walking in insecurity and you're unsure about God's plan and you're unsure about uh, what you believe and you're unsure about what's going on, when you're walking with that kind of insecurity, you're also gonna be walking uh, with some instability and you're gonna lose your footing. This is what happened to Peter. Remember the story when Peter... Uh, stepped out uh, by faith and he was walking on the water. And, and we like to beat up Peter about that uh, because he you know, began to sink and he lost uh, sight of Jesus. And we uh, tend to criticize Peter for his lack of faith there. But let's pause for a minute, and just commend Peter for his faith to step out of the boat. And uh, he was walking on water, an amazing scene. But it says this in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him after Peter was sinking and said unto him, O thou of little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? Jesus looks at Peter and he says, why did you doubt? Why did you begin to doubt? See, when Peter lost his focus, he lost his footing. And so often when we lose our focus, we lose our footing and we start to uh, be unstable uh, where we are in life. And so we come to Exodus chapter 17 and the question that I want us to answer this morning is how then can we walk by faith and conquer doubt? When we are going through a season maybe perhaps of spiritual dehydration, how can we get victory over the doubts and insecurities that uh, want to infiltrate our minds? And in Exodus chapter 17, we find uh, the children of Israel, they're wandering in the wilderness and they had already experienced God do some amazing things in their midst. I mean, this is already after the Red Sea. This is after the pillar in the cloud. This is after manna from heaven. And so you would think that the children of Israel would have started to trust that God was in control and that God was gonna be there for them. But instead, they were doubting. And instead, they were questioning God's plan uh, for their lives when they lacked uh, the water. And this was a testing moment for the children of Israel. In fact, uh, this is one of the themes of Exodus 17 verses one through seven, because Moses actually renames this place from Rephidim, the place where they were. He names it, renames it to Massah, which means uh, testing. And so literally Moses says this was a place of testing. By the way, uh, right now in the land between and the season that we're navigating, I believe that this is a testing season for us and that God is testing us not to destroy us, but to develop us. And this is what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, 
might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so we experience these trials and difficulties that can uh, help us and sharpen us to make us better. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this, God never uses someone greatly until he tests them deeply. God's never gonna use someone greatly until he tests them deeply. Hey, when we come through coronavirus, when we get to the other side, will you be more on fire for God or less on fire for God? When we come through coronavirus, will you be more committed or less committed? See, this is a testing season and God is purifying and testing the church to see if we're gonna put our faith and confidence in him or if we're gonna walk with doubt. And so I want us to see this morning from Exodus 17, three ways in which the children of Israel doubted and what we can learn from these three specific ways that they doubted. Number one, if you wanna take some notes this morning, I want you to see that they doubted God's provision. They doubted God's provision. And notice verse number one. It says, And the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin, and after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. And so they come to this place, Rephidim, and uh, we find out that there was no water for them to drink. And uh, they experienced this great shortage. Uh, physically speaking, they didn't have water. Now, uh, this would have been very painful. I think sometimes we underestimate uh, what this might have been like. And, uh, you know, we think that we're dying of thirst if we go to the gym and we forget a water bottle. And, uh, man, we just need to find a water fountain because we're dying of thirst. But they were traveling through the, uh, the heat of the wilderness and the desert, and they were lacking water. They were experiencing this great uh, dehydration and uh, this shortage physically. I read a story this week about an 18-year-old Austrian man and uh, he was accidentally left in prison uh, for 18 days in 1979. And he was left in prison for 18 days without food and water. And uh, they asked him how he survived, and he said the only thing that he could do was lick the condensation from the walls of the prison. And uh, that's what it looks like to be extremely thirsty. And I can imagine the children of Israel, uh, as they were suffering this dehydration, were beginning to be frustrated. And as we'll see, uh, they started to uh, complain. But there's something interesting in verse number one that we see. It says, after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord. And so here's what I want you to see that's interesting about verse number one. The children of Israel were actually walking in obedience, they were doing what God told them to do. They were obeying the commandment of the Lord and God led them straight to Rephidim, straight to this place where there was no water. Why would God do that? And see, this is what's so often frustrating with our faith and we think, man, I'm walking in obedience and I'm reading my Bible and I'm going to church and I'm trying to be kind to people and I'm trying to be kind to my spouse and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and yet there still seems to be trial after trial after heartache after heartache. What is God doing? Why would God lead the children of Israel to a place of barrenness, to a place with no water, when they were walking in obedience? And I believe the answer is the same uh, thing that God does and the same reason why God brings us to a place of barrenness. And that is so that we will trust in Him and call out on Him and use it as an opportunity to grow our faith and to rely on the Lord and on Him alone and not our own strength. And so uh, the Lord, uh, He guides them. They come to Rephidim. They have no uh, water. They're experiencing this shortage physically. But I just want to encourage you today that if you are experiencing a shortage, just know that that scarcity in your life is simply an opportunity to see God work. That that shortage in your life is simply an opportunity to see God show up in a powerful way. And so maybe uh, today you're experiencing a shortage financially. 
Maybe you are lacking income. Maybe you've lost your job and there is a shortage financially. Maybe you are experiencing a shortage of joy. There's just joy that's lacking in your life and you're just frustrated all the time. Maybe there is a shortage in your relationships. Maybe there's a shortage in your energy. You're just tired and you're not really feeling like you want to move on. And if there's a shortage in your life, let me encourage you. Use that as an opportunity to see God pour out his abundant supply on your life. Because the last time I checked, our God is still Jehovah. Jaira, the Lord who will provide. And God can provide in your situation. And I believe that God will provide in your situation. And it's an opportunity for us to step out and trust him by faith. And so the children of Israel, they had this shortage physically, but that shortage physically led to a shortage spiritually. Because notice verse two, it says in verse two, wherefore the people did chide with Moses. And uh, uh, that word means that they started to have this strife and this argument with Moses. They started to complain. And uh, they started to chide with Moses. And they said, give us water that we may drink. Moses, give us some water. And uh, Moses said unto them, why you chide with me? Wherefore do you tempt uh, the Lord? And so they had this uh, shortage spiritually because they started to complain about their situation. And much has been said about the complaints of the Israelites. We know that they murmured and they wandered through the wilderness. And uh, I was reading uh, about some uh, I was reading this article about some customer complaints recently, and uh, people will complain about the silliest of things. And uh, one customer, they complained at a uh, four-star resort hotel at a beach, and this was their complaint. The beach was too sandy. We had, we had to clean everything when we returned to our room. <laughs> and so they complained because there was a lot of sand on the beach. And uh, people will just find anything to complain about. And uh, we see the children of Israel... And they start uh, to uh, complain about their situation. But really, in our lives, when we start to complain about our situation, it's really an indictment on our relationship with God. Because our horizontal complaints really uh, reflect uh, our attitude vertically, how we have, uh, how our relationship with God is. Because at the end of verse number two, it says, why do you tempt the Lord? And so Moses said, you know what, you think you're complaining to me, but ultimately, uh, these complaints are directed at, at God. You're complaining before the Lord. And uh, uh, so often uh, when things go differently than we think, we begin to complain and we begin to murmur and get bitter and get frustrated at our season. But let me just encourage you and let me specifically encourage our Rock Hill family. Let's not uh, take our verbiage this season and use our verbiage to graffiti complaint all over our season. Hey, let's take this season and use it as an opportunity to say, you know what? It might not make sense, but I'm trusting in the Lord. Hey, today is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will function by faith and I will rejoice in the goodness of God and I will have an attitude of gratitude in this season for all the blessings that God has given me. Yes, there's things to complain about. Yes, the world is a mess right now. Yes, things look completely different, but hey, God is still on the throne. He's still in control. And so let's not use our verbiage to just taint what's going on today and let's use our verbiage to speak life into people and to encourage uh, the people in our lives. I love what Colossians 3.17 says. It says, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Everybody drop the word thanks in the comments today. Giving thanks uh, to God and the Father by him. And so uh, we see the children of Israel, they were not expressing this kind of thanks. They were uh, grumbling and complaining when really they had no reason to be. Uh, God provided for them in the past time and time again. In fact, the chapter before they were lacking pure water and God provided for them uh, in the chapter before. And so God had done it in the past, but they 
uh, did not remember that. And uh, we, we, can, we can think, well, maybe this isn't that big of a deal. Just a little bit of complaining. That's just a part of my personality. And, and uh, I tend to kind of be more of a negative person because I'm a realist. And, you know, we use all of these uh, terms to kind of justify our complaints. But I want you to consider how seriously God takes this. Because in 1 Corinthians 10.10, it says this. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, and he references this story in Exodus chapter 17, in this Exodus account, and he says, hey, they were destroyed by the destroyer because of their complaints. More people died in the Old Testament from complaining than any other sin. And so God takes it very seriously. And this complaint all stemmed from a lack of provision. They doubted that God could provide for them. When we first started the church, I remember we moved into our house and a couple of weeks later, uh, we came back home and our front door was open. And uh, so I kind of walked in slowly and cautiously and I came to our kitchen and we noticed that our refrigerator was gone. We noticed that our TV was gone. We noticed in the garage that our lawnmower was gone and someone had came in and just uh, robbed us of so many things. And uh, then we found out the next week that the building that we were going to rent for our launch service, they weren't going to let us use the stage uh, that we were planning on using. And so last minute, we had to figure out how to buy a stage and buy chairs. And this was something that was definitely not in the budget. And uh, I just remember thinking, man, uh, we need God to, to show up and to God to provide in this situation. And it wasn't just a few days later that we opened up a check uh, that came in the mailbox uh, from a pastor who had heard about the fact that we were starting a church. And he wrote us a check for $4,000 and just said, I hope that this can be an encouragement to you. And I remember just feeling in that moment that God uh, was providing for us and that God did provide for us. And I just want to encourage you today. The Bible still says in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm thankful today that the God we worship is faithful to meet our needs and he will provide. And so the children of Israel, they doubted God's provision. But I want you to see secondly, uh, they doubted God's purpose. Not only did they doubt provision that God could provide for them, but now they were just doubting God's purpose. Is there even a plan? Is there even a point to us being out here? And notice it in verse number three. And if you're still with me today, would you drop an amen uh, in the comments, wherever you may be watching from? Verse number three says this, and the people thirsted there for water, so they're still thirsty, and the people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And so now the children of Israel are thinking, Moses, why did you even bring us out here? Things were better in Egypt. We never lacked water in Egypt and you just brought us out here to kill us and to kill our children and now even to kill our cattle. And uh, what we see is they were starting to uh, doubt that God had a purpose for them. And, you know, what were they doing out here wandering around? And is there even a point to all of this? And, you know, people today are searching for purpose in life. In fact, if you were to uh, search in the Google search engine purpose in life, you would get more than 2.2 billion hits People are searching for purpose, and uh, most of those articles and most of those websites are about you know an inspirational speaker who just says, "Hey, follow your heart and do what you love to do," and and uh, and uh, some of those types of things to find purpose. But I want to encourage you in life. You might be able to find some temporary purpose. You might be able to find some temporary happiness and and some temporary satisfaction. But eternal purpose that is only found in Jesus. You cannot find 
eternal purpose apart from Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3.11. It says, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal purpose is found in Christ. And so uh, the children of Israel, they're lacking purpose. And uh, well, why did Moses uh, uh, bring us out here? And because they lacked, and because they doubted this purpose, uh, they lacked two things. First, they lacked responsibility. Notice in verse number three, it says, it says this, and they murmured against Moses. Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt? So I want you to see this. They didn't take responsibility. They said, Moses, this is your fault. They started to murmur and to speak against Moses, and they started to say, you did this. They didn't want to take any responsibility for themselves, and so they said, Moses, this is all your fault. They started to play uh, this blame game. And, uh, you know, uh, so often when we find ourselves in the land between or when we're going through a difficult season, uh, we tend to shift the blame. And, and uh, often when someone does not like the message from God, they will begin to attack the messenger from God. And they want to start uh, getting upset with the leadership uh, about what's going on in their lives. In fact, uh, this is a unique season to be a pastor. Um, I've, I've received messages from people that say, hey, more people need to be wearing masks. Uh, I've received messages from people that says, hey, less people should be wearing masks. I, I've received messages saying, hey, talk less about racism, talk more about racism. Uh, hey, defy the government, obey the government. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a unique season to be a pastor. But here's the truth. We will never be able to please everyone. In your life, you will never be able to please everyone. And so that's why we have to remember that if you live for the compliments, you'll die by the criticism. If you live for the compliments, you'll die by the criticism. And so I just want to keep on being faithful to preach the word of God expositionally, verse by verse by verse, and being faithful to the message of the word of God. And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage our Rock Hill Church family. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the pastors of this church. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. I just want to encourage you to pray for your pastors and to lift them up in prayer and to encourage them and to let them know, hey, I'm with you in this. We're in this together. And what the children of Israel did was they, they took a step back and said, hey, Moses, this is on you. This is your fault. They lacked responsibility. But they also lacked rationality because at the end of verse number three, it says, and our children and our cattle with thirst, they said, Moses, you just want to kill our cattle. And now they're not even thinking rationally, like, did Moses just bring them out into the desert to kill their cattle? Of course not. At the end of verse number four, they want to actually stone Moses and, and kill Moses. So now they're not thinking uh, rationally. Now they're thinking very emotionally. Let me encourage you. In this season of the land between, guard your heart. Guard your emotions. So often, uh, when we begin to doubt and we struggle, we begin to think irrationally and we think very emotionally. And you know, uh, someone might give you a dirty look and then all of a sudden your thoughts are, man, why does everyone hate me? And why is everyone so mad at me? And you know, one little thing can cause us to start thinking uh, irrationally. And I just wanna encourage you to, uh, to think rationally during this season, think biblically during this season. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hey, bring every thought into captivity. Hey, don't lose the battle in your mind. When you start to think uh, irrational thoughts and when you start to think thoughts of escapism and I just want to get out of here and this isn't worth it anymore, hey, bring those thoughts into captivity and filter those thoughts through uh, the word of God. The children of Israel, they started to think irrationally. They were uh, doubting God's provision. 
They were doubting God's purpose. And I want you to see finally today, they were doubting God's presence. So not only did they doubt that God could provide and did they doubt that God have a purpose, now they were even doubting the very presence of God. And we see it in verse number seven. It says this, And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? What an indicting question by the children of Israel. Is the Lord among us or not? Hey, is God here or not? Because if God's here, what's going on? Because we don't have any water. So what's God doing? And I've seen and observed even in this season and this year in 2020 where people are asking, hey, if God is here, where is he? Is God here or not? If God is good and if God is loving, then where is he in this season? And what is God doing in this season? And sometimes we begin to doubt even the presence of God. And normally when we start to think these things or when the unsaved world starts to think these things, it's typically coming from a place of pride because we think we know better. If I was God, I would do things differently and, if, and I know how God should work and I know how God should work and operate. But the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. By the way, uh, God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts, but I'm thankful today that uh, the presence of God is here with us. And I'm thankful that, that, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And I'm thankful that the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Hey, if you're searching for God, he's not far. And his presence is here with us. But the children of Israel, they started to doubt the presence of God. And as we close today, I want to give us three quick ways that we can encounter God's presence and at the same time conquer our doubt. Uh, would you like to know that today at home? How, how can we encounter God's presence and conquer our doubt? Because we learn it here in what Moses does. Three ways. First, re-engage in prayer. Re-engage in prayer. In verse number four, it says this, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, what shall I do unto this people? They uh, almost be ready to stone me. Moses recognized, hey, I can't provide water. I, I'm not going to do some sort of rain dance to bring water. I, I don't know what to do. I, I can't provide for them water. But God, you can. And so Moses cried out to God. And he took his insufficiency and his inadequacy. And he brought it to the sufficiency of God. And by the way, that is an excellent formula for faith. Take your inadequacy and introduce it to God's sufficiency and say, God, you know what? I can't do this, but you can. And what we need more than ever in this season is for men and women to get on their knees and to pray and to cry out to God and say, God, can you please bring a spiritual renewal and spiritual refreshment in this season? God, will you bring a revival that only you can do? And so this is Moses. He cries out to God and he says, God, only you can do this. Only you can help us in this moment. Psalm 50, verse number 15 says this, and call, and call upon me in the name, in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Hey, call upon the name of the Lord in the day of trouble. Let me just encourage you. How is your prayer life? Can I encourage you this week, determine to spend more time in prayer than you did last week? Think about that. Think about last week. How much time did you spend in prayer? Whatever number that is, whatever amount that is, let me encourage you. What would happen if you just doubled it this week? What would happen if you tripled it this week and spent more time in prayer? Hey, you can, if you're, if you're a man in our church that's listening to this and you want to join in on men's prayer, I would encourage you, Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock, uh, tune into men's prayer and join some other men that are serious about the power of prayer. 
Hey, let me encourage our small group leaders at our church. Hey, don't just skip over that time of prayer at the end of small group. Don't just uh, take that time lightly. Let me encourage you, uh, dive into prayer and really uh, connect with God on a very real and powerful level. What we need is the power of prayer. And so re-engage in prayer. That's what Moses does first of all. He cries out to the Lord. Now, the next thing that we need to do is to remember God's faithfulness. And uh, just to remember and recollect the faithfulness of God. In verse number five, it says this. And the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod. Wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. And so God tells Moses, hey, I want you to get up and go. I have an assignment for you, and I want you to take uh, this rod with you. Now, this was the same rod that turned into a serpent in Exodus chapter 3. It's the same rod that Moses used to turn uh, the, the, the river Nile into blood in Exodus chapter 7. It's the same rod that Moses lifted up when they crossed the Red Sea. And so when Moses grabbed this rod, it represented, it represented and it was symbolic of God's power. And so when Moses picked up that rod, he was reminded of the faithfulness of God. He was reminded about God, how God provided for them in the past. Can I encourage you today to remember God's faithfulness in your life? to remember the fact that God has saved you, that, that, that God has given you a home in heaven. Remember the fact that God has saved your family, that God has provided for you, that God has provided a church family for you, and that God has been so good in your life. It's so easy to focus on the burdens, but I wanna encourage you today to count your blessings and to remember the faithfulness of God and the power of God in your life. And then this leads us to the third way that we can conquer doubt and encounter God's presence. I wanna encourage you to respond with obedience. Whatever God is asking you to do, respond with obedience. And uh, what we see in verse number six is this. Behold, I will stand before thee uh, there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So Moses goes and he smites that rock, and out of that rock came gushing forth uh, the water that they so desperately needed for their survival. And so we see Moses, he did so in verse number six. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He responded in obedience. And it doesn't get any more basic and rudimentary than this. Trust and obey. (laughs) Trust and obey. And that's where we find ourselves today. What's the best word of encouragement that we could give in 2020? Trust and obey. Trust that God's in control and follow in obedience in whatever God wants you to do. And that's what Moses uh, does here. Now, I wanna close by explaining uh, the greater significance and purpose of this text this morning. And in the New Testament, we see that Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he references this very story and it gives us great insight to what we should be gleaning uh, from uh, this text today. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 10 verses one through four, and I I wanna encourage you to really lean into this moment because this is what it's all about. This is what it all boils down to and the significance and the purpose of this text today. Moses smiting the rock and out came the water that they needed. This is what we see in 1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud. So who's he talking about? He's talking about the children of Israel when they followed the cloud by day and the fire by night. He's talking about the Israelites and that they passed through the sea, the Red Sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat of the same spiritual meat and did all drink of the same spiritual drink. And watch this. For they drank of that spiritual rock. Everybody leave that word in the comments, rock. They drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock 
was Christ. And so Paul says, remember that story in Exodus chapter 17 where uh, Moses took uh, the rod and and he smit the rock and out came the water? Hey, that rock is symbolic. That rock is a type of Jesus Christ. And just like the children of Israel, once that rock was smitten, just like they experienced water that was uh, bringing to them life, Jesus Christ is the living water. He is the rock that brings spiritual refreshment. And just like Moses had to smite that rock, that that smiting of the rock is symbolic of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ when he was smitten on the cross for our sins. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse number four, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God. Smitten, that same word, he was smitten of God and afflicted. And I just want to encourage you today that Christ was smitten on the cross for your sins and for my sins. Why? So that we could experience eternal life and the living water that is the only water that will truly satisfy you in life. And so just like the children of Israel found spiritual refreshment and physical refreshment in the rock that Moses uh, uh, hit that day, hey, today we can find spiritual encouragement and refreshment in the living water that is Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. That, that, that's the focus of this story. It points us to head to Jesus Christ and, and his deliverance in our lives. John 7 verse 37 says this, In the last day, the great uh, day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, are you thirsty today? Are you looking for spiritual refreshment? Are are you longing for spiritual renewal? If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Jesus is our living water. He is our eternal satisfaction. And in him, there is salvation. He's the rock that provides the living water. And this can only happen by God's grace. And don't you think it's interesting that the children of Israel, they didn't deserve this. They didn't deserve the water. They were complaining. But because of God's grace, he provided water. It was a free gift. Uh, Moses didn't say, okay, here's the water bill. No, this was a free gift. And, And what we see is a picture of salvation. Salvation is a free gift. It's by grace through faith. And today, if you've never uh, trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, today can be the day of salvation for you. And uh, just like the children of Israelites experienced this refreshing and this water that gave them life, today you can take a drink uh, from the eternal satisfaction that is Jesus Christ. And you can have a home in heaven forever, not in religion, uh, not in good works, but in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so I want to encourage you today, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, hey, let's not navigate this season with doubt. Let's not doubt God's provision, doubt God's presence, doubt God's purpose. Let's recognize that God does have a purpose for us right now, that God can provide for us right now, and His presence is with us. And today, if you're not saved, if you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, what I'd like to do in this concluding moment is I'm going to have a word of prayer in just a moment. And I'd like to encourage you and invite you to pray and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're watching this or maybe you're listening to this on a podcast at another time and you're just thinking, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I really do have a relationship with God. If I were to die today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. I would encourage you, you can know that. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, that these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. You don't have to guess or hope or wonder. You can know 
beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have a home in heaven. And it's because Jesus died for your sins so that you don't have to go to hell. And he died for your sins on the cross and he rose again victoriously from the grave. He is alive today so that you can have a home in heaven forever and a real relationship with God. See, a lot of people are searching for God and they're trying to find God in different places. But Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and he is the mediator between man and God. And so today we can know God because of Jesus. And I wanna encourage you, if you'd like to pray and accept Christ, you can repeat after me wherever you may be watching from. You can pray this prayer in your heart. And of course, it's not a, a prayer or a magic formula or a certain set of words that, that you have to say in order to be saved but it's faith in Jesus and Jesus alone that can save you and you can taste of the living water. So let's have a word of prayer today. And if you'd like to pray and accept Christ, I would encourage you uh, to pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong, but God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. And God, today I wanna turn from my sin and I wanna trust in you. I believe that you conquered the grave on the third day and that you are alive and well today. And God, today I wanna to accept the free gift of salvation. Thank you for saving me. I wanna accept Jesus into my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the promise of heaven and eternal life. And I pray that I can take new steps in my walk with you and grow closer to you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.